G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Marriage is not so much about finding the right person as it is about being the right person. Pastor Greg Laurie points out marriage success is most likely for those who focus on giving more than taking. Listen, if you go into marriage saying, this guy's going to meet all of my needs, you're going to have trouble. If you go into the marriage saying, this girl, she's going to make all my dreams come true, you're going to have problems. Be the best husband you can be. Be the best wife you can be. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. If you want a good spouse, you need to be a good spouse. So often our behaviour is reflected by our marriage partner. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us take the initiative and be the kind of person our spouse would want to have as their spouse. It's biblical instruction straight from the book of Ephesians and a series called Am I Doing This Right? Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and the title of my message is What the Bible Says About Singleness and Marriage. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 13 and reading down to verse 21. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, I'm going to ask you to underline that verse. We'll come back to it. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay, so here's some takeaway truths about having a strong marriage. Number one, if you want a successful marriage, shine the light of God's Word on it. If we're having problems in our marriage, we must admit we've strayed from God's plan. Admit as husbands we have not loved our wives as we ought to. Admit that perhaps you've not been the wife you should be. Every husband, myself included, could love my wife more. Every wife knows she could love more. So shine the light of the Word of God on it and everything else for that matter. Point number two, wake up. Wake up, verse 14. Awake you who sleep. Wake from spiritual lethargy. You can't just put this thing in cruise control and expect it to go well. You have to be alert and aware 
and be paying careful attention to that relationship that you are in. The moment you neglect your spiritual life, you're going to falter. You can't live on what has happened in the past as a follower of Jesus, and the same is true for marriage. Number three, walk carefully. Walk carefully, verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly. What does that even mean? Well, the word is the basic meaning of that which is accurate and exact. That which is accurate and exact. It carries the idea of looking, examining, and investigating something with great care. Sort of the way you would look at a contract. Let's say you're buying a car or a house. Oh man, as they say, the devil's in the details. Read the fine print. Understand what you're committing yourself to. Or when you're building something and you look at the plans, get it right. And in the same way, we read the scripture, we know it has been approved by God. So study it carefully. Look at the details of it. It tells you how to do it. Walk carefully. Number four, use your time wisely. Use your time wisely. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem means to make the most of your time. Do what you can to strengthen that marriage. And here's a big one, and this is our final main point. Number five, to have a successful marriage, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The verb in the Greek is in the imperative mode, meaning it's a command. So to fail to do this will cut off your power supply. Years ago, we had a work day at our church up in Riverside. And so I, I went out to help. And I am not a handyman. You never want me to come over to repair anything. I'll only make it worse. And that's the truth. If my wife sees me walking through the house with a hammer, she'll stop me. Where are you going with that? <laughs> Everything I try to fix, I make it worse. And uh, so we're doing this day where we're cleaning up trash and painting and trimming hedges. And there was a, a power tool, a, tr a hedge trimmer, sitting there on top of a hedge, plugged in, and I, oh, that looks fun. So I got this thing up, and I'm trimming the hedge. I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. Right through the cord. And I looked this way, and I looked that way, and I set it down and walked off. But we do that in life, too. We cut our own power source, you see? We need the power of the Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit will empower you to be a godly spouse. Because ultimately, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. If you're a spirit-filled person, you'll be a submitting person. Now, I know we don't like the word submission. And we're going to get to that when we talk about wives. We get really hung up on that. Oh, sir, I don't submit. I don't submit to anybody. Yeah, you do. When the CHP turns his light on, you better submit. When your boss says, come into my office, you better submit. When the teacher in the classroom says, are you paying attention? You submit, we submit all day long. And so we should. So let's rephrase it. Submitting one to another in the fear of God, or if you're really spirit-filled, you'll think of others more than yourself. So it's not so much who's more important. It's not about superiority or inferiority. 
It's about the roles of a husband and a wife, and God has established roles in the marriage relationship. But you go into the marriage saying, how can I fulfill this person? Listen, if you go into marriage saying, this guy's going to make me happy, he's going to meet all of my needs, you're going to have trouble. If you go into the marriage saying, this girl, she's going to make all my dreams come true, though, you're going to have problems. Marriage is not so much about finding the right person as it is about being the right person. Be the best husband you can be. Be the best wife you can be. Be the best single person you can be. See, you need God's power, single people out there, to help you wait and to resist sexual temptation. You know, some people are shocked that after they look at pornography, their minds are filled with sexual thoughts. Wow, are you an idiot or what? You know, you don't feed lust, you starve it. And when you feed your mind with that kind of junk, you're going to create a lot of trouble for yourself because there is so much of that kind of pressure on singles today. And the idea being, hey, you know, you have to find out if you're compatible in every way, including sexually, and you're encouraged to move in and live together and that sort of a trial run. There's not a thing you could do that could be a worse way to start a relationship than to live with a man or a woman outside of marriage. In fact, studies show that those that live together before they're married have a far higher divorce rate than those that wait until they're married to be together. But we'll deal with that later. But you need to wait on God's timing and you need to resist sexual temptation. And God tells you in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God who is faithful will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Think of any temptation you've given into. Was there a way out? Of course there was. Sometimes the way out was as simple as the door or the off button on the remote control, or pulling a plug out of the wall if you had to. There's always a way out. Sometimes the best way out of temptation is to be like Joseph when he was tempted by the wife of Potiphar, his older woman that started hitting on him. She was the original cougar. <laughs> she was far from subtle. She said, lie with me. In other words, have sex with me. I'm sure, she was very attractive. Joseph did what any clear-thinking, red-blooded young man would do under such circumstances. He ran like crazy. said, I'm out of here. Sometimes it's as simple as that. You know, maybe you, you book a hotel room and you're there with that guy or that girl and you're, you lay down on the bed and say, God, I'm being so tempted. Give me strength. Shut up. You're an idiot. Get out of that room. What are you doing? Be practical. But you see, God will give you the power to do that and he'll give you the power to be a good husband and a good wife. Now, this isn't just true of marriage. This is true of the Christian life. We need the power of the Spirit. Thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg is presenting a study called What the Bible Says About Singleness and Marriage. Let's continue. Have you ever been driving along in your car and your idiot light goes on? You know what I mean by idiot light? Little gauges that say you need more fuel. I don't know about you, but I always put off getting gas. Why? 
Well, if I drive a little longer, I'll save more money, maybe. No, just get the gas. My wife, I'm telling you, she runs on fumes. She thinks that little red light on empty, that's just a guideline. I've got another 100 miles. I know because I've got in her car after she drove it, or my car after she drove it, and I go straight to the gas station praying, God help me, help me. <laughs> Put the gas in. You need a refuel, a refill. Same is true of us as Christians. You know, the day of Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. It was a unique, one-of-a-kind event never to be repeated. We don't need another Pentecost any more than we need another Calvary. God did it on that day, poured out His Spirit. But maybe a more normative illustration of how we are to live as Christians is found in Acts chapter 4. We read of Peter and John speaking to the people. They had boldness from the Holy Spirit. In fact, Acts 4.8 says, Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them the following, and gave them the gospel. And then the religious leaders forbade Peter and John to continue speaking about Jesus. So what did they do? They prayed for more boldness to do more preaching. Acts 4.29 says, they prayed, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. Does this mean every time we pray for the filling of the Spirit, the room will shake? No. Does this mean every time we pray for the empowering and filling of the Spirit will have an emotional experience? Again, no. In fact, it might help you to know what the word fill means. The word that is used here by Paul for being filled with the Spirit is a fascinating word that can be translated multiple ways. Number of word pictures kind of bring it home. One way the word was used was to convey the idea of wind filling a sail, carrying it along. So it's like you're out there in the water in your little sailboat and a gust of wind comes and you just glide along the surface. That's what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. He just gives you the power to do what He calls you to do. So His commandments are not a drudgery, but they're a delight. You find yourself wanting to do the things that God says, not doing them because you have to. See, the Spirit gives you that desire. Another way the word is translated conveys the idea of permeation. God wants to permeate the lives of his children, what they say and what they think and what they do. He wants to influence us in our marriages, in our singleness, in our work, in our worldview. And finally, the word fill means total control. It conveys the idea of being under the control of something. Have you ever been really scared you come under the control of fear? Have you ever been really sad where you come under the control of grief? That's the idea conveyed here. You come under the control of the Holy Spirit. So put it all together. To be filled with the Spirit is to be under His control. To be filled with the Spirit is to be carried along and permeated by and under the control of the Holy Spirit. We fill ourselves with God's Word and His thoughts and they become our thoughts and His standards become our standards and His will becomes our will. To be filled with the Spirit is walking thought by thought, decision by decision, under the Spirit's control and leading. Be filled with the Spirit.
The Holy Spirit, who is a part of the Trinity, God is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is to convict and convince us of our sin. So the Holy Spirit does His work in our life before we're a Christian, and He shows us our need for Christ. That is why Jesus said the only unforgivable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that you're resisting the work that the Spirit has come to do and the Spirit has come to show you you need Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus died on a cross for you 2,000 years ago because we're all separated from God by our sin. We fall short of His standards. We break His commandments. So Jesus died in our place and paid for all those sins we've committed. And now the Holy Spirit of God will come to us and say, you need Jesus in your life. And if I say no to the Holy Spirit, I'm resisting his work. And if I say no to him over and over again, there can come a point where I'll insult the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually warns against doing this. And then finally I can find myself in a position where I'm resisting the Spirit and ultimately even blaspheming the Spirit. No, we want to listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. Listen, as I said earlier, Isaiah the prophet said to Hezekiah, get your house in order for you're going to die. You know, we don't know when that day is going to come in our life. It may be 10 years from now. It may be 30 years from now. It may be tomorrow. We don't know. So get your house in order. Get your act together. Get your life right with God. And then you'll know that if the Lord calls you you'll be ready to meet him. And if the Lord comes for his church in the rapture, which he could come for at any moment, uh, you'll be ready to meet him. And so let me ask you this in closing. If you were to die tonight, do you have the confidence you would go to heaven? If the Lord were to come tonight, do you have the assurance that you would be caught up to meet him in the air? Would you be one of the ones who would be taken to heaven to meet him? Or would you be one of the ones that would be left? Listen, if you don't know Christ yet, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get right with him. And he'll forgive you of all of your sins. And you'll know your life is right with God. If you've not made this commitment to Jesus yet, do it now as we close in prayer. Okay? Let's all bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word to us. Now I pray for those that have joined us who may not yet know you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince them of their sin and bring them to yourself. Show them their need for Jesus. Help them to believe now, we ask. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change today in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg will help you do that right now. As you've been listening to this today, maybe you've heard another voice. By that I mean, yeah, you heard me say a few things, but you heard God's voice speak to you deep in the recesses of your heart. And it suddenly dawned on you, this is what I need. Or to state it more accurately, this is who I need. I need Jesus, and I want Jesus, but maybe you don't know how to make that connection. Let me help you. Pray this after me right now if you want Jesus Christ to come into your life. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sin, and I need your forgiveness right now. 
Would you come into my heart, my life, as Savior, as God, as friend? I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for calling me and accepting me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I know that was a relatively short prayer. Maybe you felt something as you prayed it. Maybe you felt nothing. That doesn't really matter because God's word says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say, so you may think you have it or you may hope you have it if God's in a good mood. No, that you can know it. And I want you to know, if you pray that prayer in a minute, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into your life. So congratulations. You're now a Christian. Now continue to follow the Lord. And to help you as you follow the Lord, we'd like to send you some resource materials we call our New Believers Growth Packet. It'll answer many of the questions you might have and get you started in your new relationship with the Lord. So get in touch and ask for it. We'll send it free of charge. Call us on 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Join us next time for a new beginning as Pastor Greg's Am I Doing This Right series continues and we'll focus specifically on strengthening our marriages. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called What the Bible Says About Singleness and Marriage. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.